I started in about 2006 and 2007 reading everything that I could get my hands on on psychology, mm-hmm. nonverbal behavior, mm-hmm. body language, emotional content, and then started incorporating that with the training. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a program that the Marine Corps had called Combat Hunter. And with that, that assisted greatly in helping these Marines understand the human behavior and understanding the dynamics in the villages and detect who's a bad guy and who's a villager. Village, village, village. Same business, different day. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. I am Zeke Corley and I'm here with my talented co-host, Alyssa Lee Good. How are you doing? Hi Zeke, I'm doing well. Good, Have good. Have a good day. I, I'm glad you are. It's actually Cinco de Mayo. Right? It's Cinco de Mayo. It is Cinco de Mayo. It's party time. Get margaritas. We should be celebrating though. You know what I mean? That's kind of what the <laughs> podcast is all about, right? We look at all these businesses, these business owners and everything that they've accomplished and you know and sometimes people ask you know what's up with the the wine on the right. table why are we you know you right. sipping but it, it's partially a celebration because we've accomplished this we've gotten to where we are today and um when you get to that point where you can combine business and pleasure that's what same business different day is all about that's why you see the briefcase and the sunglasses <laughs> all right so um i'd like to say though uh today my arm twisting was just effective enough to convince mm-hmm. this very important gentleman to be a guest on our program. Uh, protect, protector of our country, 23 years in the military, six years in the U.S. Embassy overseas. The same business, different day audience is lucky enough to take a trip around the world with the incomparable Lee Wakefield. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Both Zeke and Alyssa, thank you very much. Uh, I really uh, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Alyssa, you want to tell them the rules of the show? I'd love to. Um, We have a simple rule. Uh, We're not going to talk about your professional life at first. Uh, We want to talk about your background, uh, where you grew up, how you got to where you are now. And when it feels right, we'll do the big reveal and then get into the professional aspects. Sure. (laughs) Sounds good. What I like about what we do, though, you know, when we have our guests on is that, you know, no two guests started in the same place. Mm-hmm. No two guests are currently in the same place. Right. So mm-hmm. the stories are always compelling. And I'm very interested in this man's story. And so I'm really glad to have you here. Lee, can you tell us about the, the early years, where, where you grew up? Yeah, um, I'm a native Californian okay. and I grew up. Uh, in the Tehachapi Mountains, north of Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, uh, Some people might know it as the grapevine. Mm -hmm. Uh And uh, my father was a state park ranger at a place called Fort Tejon, Mm T-E-J-O-N, right at the top of the grade. Drive by it all the time. Yeah. And uh, so we were, I would say we were really blessed and fortunate to grow up in that kind of an environment. I mean, I was riding ponies and horses at four years old. Okay. Uh, we walked out our back door 
and my brother and I could go for hikes for you know two days mm-hmm. and not see anybody. We could camp. We were always outside. Uh, very, very special uh, opportunity. And I didn't, you know, you, you don't realize until you look back and reflect on it how unique it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we had a very uh, interesting uh, growing up and uh, then went, once we graduated from uh, El Tajon High School, I mean uh, middle school, we went to Bakersfield to Bakersfield High School. And mm-hmm. so that was essentially 40 miles away and had to catch the bus early in the morning and uh, so to, wait, you didn't move. No. So you guys there, took there, the bus forty miles each way. Exactly. There was there was no high school where we lived. Wow. And uh, I remember my brother and I both played sports. We played football and and baseball. Mm-hmm. And so there was no sports bus either. And so. Oh. <laughs> So guess what? Mom and dad got to come in 100 miles, essentially, round trip mm-hmm. every day for us to play sports. Yeah. And so it's when my wife and I uh, had our son, I was starting to be able to put into perspective what my parents had done for me. Sure. I mean, driving 40 miles in there, or they would give us bus money to take the Greyhound bus. Mm home <laughs> and then hope that the bus driver would drop us off <laughs> close to our house close enough, yeah. uh, that we could walk home. Yeah. And of course that was in, in seven, <laughs> eight o'clock at night. Okay. Hadn't started my homework, hadn't even had dinner and I'm getting home from football practice or baseball practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that was a little bit different than most uh, folks going to high school. What was that experience? And uh, did you see other kids in the same high school having that experience? Did you grow up around kids in Fort Tejon that that were doing that as well, or was it just you and your brother? Well, there were there was one large bus that would pick up folks further than than we were <laughs> a, away from Bakersfield, mm-hmm. um, up in a in a place called Fraser Park, and. Um, but not too many of them that actually played sports. And so um, we were one of the few, I would say a handful, that actually uh, played sports throughout high school. And uh, it, was, it was interesting. It's very but, interesting. Yeah. That's, but, a, that's an interesting yeah. experience. Well, you know what I was thinking, though, too, is, um, I mean, you went from one a place where one would call country to another place. <laughs> like yeah. Bakersfield was still kind of <laughs> desolate at that time, though, wasn't it? Well, it was desolate, but I went from a elementary school of 100 185 to, at that time, Bakersfield High School had over 5,000. Okay. Ah, okay. So you went from a little tiny pond into this giant uh, pond. And, so it was big you know, you. you had to had to make your way mm-hmm. uh, there, and it wasn't always wasn't always easy, uh, but you know that's that's part of development and growing up as, as well. Sure. But uh, 
I, I look back now and think about uh, all the unique experiences that I that I did have uh, as a young person uh, growing up there. Like what? Uh, being able to camp, being able to walk out. Uh, my father, because he was a state park ranger and we had horses and uh, um, a pasture right behind our house, he wanted to make sure that we didn't have any ground squirrels because that's a real danger to horses. Sure is. Um, and so he got, I think I was nine years old, and he got me a twenty-two single shot. <laughs> and mm. I could step out of my back door and shoot at ground squirrels from my back door. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many places you can do that. Sure. Uh, and so we would go hunting uh, ground squirrels. That's the only thing I've ever really hunted um, was, was ground squirrels. Do you hunt ground squirrels too? We do. I, I live, um, well, I grew up in a mountain community in San Diego County. Mm-hmm. And you're re- reminding me of my dad. He has his little BB gun and he'll mm-hmm. shoot the ground squirrels out the back door. He tried to get me, but I would just keep them as pets. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're, they're dangerous. And well. yeah. Yeah. And uh, in that period, uh, there was also a, a threat of bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. that they carry mm-hmm. oh, okay. or can carry. And so my father had no qualms about eliminating the, the squirrels that were around uh, our house and, and where our horses were. Yeah, no, it's incredibly important. I mean, a horse's leg, if it breaks in that hole, there's no fixing it. it. So. Yeah, I, get it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't grow up around horses. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm curious about your, your dad being the park ranger. Was he also in the military? Uh, actually, no. Okay. Um, he he tried to join the military in uh, when we entered World War II, and it turned out that he had flat feet, and that was one of the uh, criteria that uh, would eliminate you from from military service. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, then he went to Hawaii, uh, Honolulu, and did work to rebuild Honolulu. Um, for three or four years during the war uh, at, in construction there. Wow. So okay. he worked over there and then came back and uh, he found a job with the California State Park System and uh, worked first in Morro Bay. Love the camp, yeah, <laughs> the campgrounds. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. area. It worked in the campgrounds in in Morro Bay and as a park ranger there, and then was uh, uh, transitioned to Fort Tejon, and that I think felt uh, fit him better okay. uh, because he he was more of his own boss, and he also uh, I don't know if either of you have been to Fort Tejon. Uh, I know you drive by. Drive, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just see the sign there. on the yeah. freeway. <laughs> well, sometimes stop in and and see that. But there, he was uh, responsible for the reconstruction of two uh, barracks buildings, or one barracks building and one officers' quarters that are now there at the fort. And so, as a young boy, I remember walking down to where the construction was and seeing these rows and rows of uh, adobe bricks 
Mm-hmm. Some of them we made on site, and some of them were brought in, but that was what they were building these uh, buildings out of. Mm. And so for the first uh, few years while I was in elementary school, that was still going on. And, uh, and so it was neat to, to see that. Yeah. Uh, being a park ranger, there's a lot of manual labor. Um, did your father ever put you to work? Say, you're going to learn now <laughs> how to be a good worker. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Uh-huh. Um, so if I can do it with flat feet, you can do it too. <laughs> yes. The Same Business, Different Day podcast is brought to you by YourInsurancePlace.com. YourInsurancePlace.com is a conglomeration of two agencies, Network One Insurance and Bill Corley Insurance Agency. Their property and casualty agents and brokers specialize in commercial insurance of all types, general liability, workers' compensation, professional liability, auto, agribusiness, and much more. They also have great insurance carriers for your homes and autos. How do I know they are that good? Because I'm one of the agents. We believe in ourselves, and you will too. Contact us at yourinsuranceplace.com or call us direct at 866-384-0479. That's yourinsuranceplace.com. The Film Hub is the future of co-working right in downtown Vista. Get energized to go to a safe work environment that is clean and sanitized. Create video content, live stream events, and all of your marketing material in our audio and video facility. Come and visit us at thefilmhubinc.com. Introducing the Ramona Valley Gnome Trail Scavenger Hunt. The gnomes are coming and turning San Diego County wineries into an unplugged village. Look for gnomes hiding out and clues about the wineries posted on their tasting patios for the month of May. Everywhere you see a gnome is a good place to unplug and unwind. Spot all the gnomes, solve the clues, and enter a raffle for a chance to win a prize. Sign up for this free event and get your first clue at www.unplugcollaborative.org. My father was delivering some signs to Hearst Castle. And so he took my brother and me over with him uh, Mm -hmm. on that trip. And we went over to Hearst Castle. He drove up and was offloading some of the signs. And some of the park rangers there said, okay, boys. He just turned us loose in Hearst Castle. <laughs> and now I think about it and I said, oh, my gosh. But uh, I remember running around through Hearst Castle and jumping on beds. Oh, and, no. Oh, gosh. And, and, you crossed the red rope. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was no red rope for me. <laughs> and uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then... One of the rangers said, well, you know, boys, if you, uh, if you have your swimsuits, you can go swimming oh, in, the, in wow. the pool. And both my brother and I looked at our dad and said, what? Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> and so my dad just said, well, just go in your underwear. Heck well, yeah. If you get that yeah. chance, you got to well, go. <laughs> yeah, but nine-year-old boys. You uh, didn't go? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We were. Oh, did they yeah. give you the indoor pool or outdoor pool? The they, indoor they pool said, is aligned in twenty-four karat gold. Yeah, I've, I've been yeah. There. yeah, yeah. I would go swimming. They, they, they said it was our choice. Uh, he, he said it was our choice. Uh, wow. But uh, you know, uh, sometimes the the things that you miss. Um, 
And Still now, story. now I'd, I'd go in my underwear and yeah. <laughs> right now. I wouldn't hesitate. A hundred percent. So not growing up in a military family, though, um, at, at what point, uh, you know, because actually we had a couple of guests. We had a couple of guests who are, you know, remember a previous military guest, right? So you've mm-hmm. got uh, Shane Paul, mm-hmm. we had Dave Baldwin. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. And everybody's got a different story yeah. of what brought them to to joining. Um, what what got you to join? What what uh, when was the decision made? And <laughs> then uh, I mean, because you know, some people, you know, they might, you might make that decision in middle school, you know, especially if you mm-hmm. grew up in a military family. Yeah, but then some others are just you know they get recruited. Dave Baldwin he told a great story about just being recruited. <laughs> yeah, he, and he was just to. driving <laughs> yeah. his buddy to the recruiting office, <laughs> and he got recruited. <laughs> yeah. But he says it's the best decision he ever made. Yeah. Sure, so. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, though my father wasn't in the military, my older brother was. Okay. Okay. And um, he was in Vietnam. Uh, he was in special forces. Uh, and he got three trips to Vietnam. And at that point in time, um, the tours in Vietnam were, were an entire year. And so that meant during the 1960s, he spent three years in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And the last trip when he came back, he was, or I, I was finished high school, graduated in 1970. And then uh, I was starting community college and had already dropped out. I was working in a gas station and my older brother came back and he looked at me and he said, come here, boy, uh, I got somebody I want you to meet. <laughs> he he's took, much older than you? How, how he's, older? he's nine years older than okay. me. Okay. And he is my mentor today. Love it. Uh, and he said, come here, son, I got somebody I want you to meet. And he took me down to the recruiting office mm-hmm. in, in Bakersfield. but. What he did is he wanted to make sure that I would have a job in the military or the military would actually train me for a job that I could use in civilian life and then go back to college and have a job that could support me while I was going to college plus the GI Bill. Mm -hmm. And so he... Uh, suggested that I become a medic and uh, operating room technician in the Army. And so that's what I did and went to Fort Sam Houston in Texas in San Antonio and a beautiful city, loved it and loved Fort Sam Houston and then got stationed to Fort Bragg in North Carolina and uh, really enjoyed that. But I wanted to go to Vietnam. I wanted to help. A lot of my friends were over there, and uh, it, it bothered me. But he, he suggested, well, why don't you consider uh, applying for the military academy's prep school? And I didn't even know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, had never heard of it. Uh, I'd heard of West Point, uh, but I'd never heard of their prep school. And so he uh, suggested and, and urged me to do that. And I talked to a couple of other officers that I knew, and they encouraged me as well. And so I applied to the military academy's prep school, and I knew 
I wanted to be an officer uh, in the military, but the the journey still was just starting because you uh, you go to West Point and it isn't just the academics, but it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, phenomenal, phenomenal school, uh, but. Uh, I knew I was going to be challenged the entire time there because uh, I didn't have the math science background that most of my classmates did. Uh-huh. Okay. So that uh, I was I was always uh, coming up for air and then going back down <laughs> <laughs> uh, academically there. But that's that shows that you you completed it. So you, your strength. There. Well, <laughs> yeah, I I got there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I, I spent uh, three years at the military academy uh, and couldn't come up for air that last time. And I flunked an electrical engineering course. Mm. And that the, the academic board said, uh, you know, we uh, we want to thank you for your service uh, and uh, we'll be seeing you. And so I some I saluted smartly, said thank you very much for a wonderful education. And at that point in time, um, my brother was living in Ogden, Utah. So I went and lived with him and and his wife and two children. And uh, my goal wasn't necessarily to become an Army officer, though I would have preferred that at that point in time. Um, I decided that I would pursue a career or get a commission in the United States Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And so um, went to Weber State in Ogden, Utah. And familiar with that school. What's that? I'm familiar with that school. Yeah, it's a, it's a good school. Uh-huh. Um, and earned just short of a triple major in mathematics, anthropology, and literature, and then went to Marine Corps OCS. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that started my career as uh, a Marine and uh, really enjoyed my time in the, in the United States Marine Corps as well. Excellent. And so it gives me an opportunity to you know, compare the Army and the Marine Corps in, in many ways because I've, I've served time in, in both. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that makes you unique in that way. The um, and and you were in the Marines for how many years now? Well, I was in the military for a total of twenty three and a half years. Yeah, and uh, a couple of those were the enlisted time that I'd served, and uh, uh, in the U.S. Army as well. So yeah. a total of twenty. You know what I really like? I mean, of course, you know, we appreciate your service and we, we like when, um, you know, folks just from the, you know, with that military experience come in and just say, you know, this is what I did and, and we can, you know, acknowledge them and appreciate them. But what I also like is that they got some, when they get something from it. And uh, you and I were, we were talking earlier um, about the education aspect mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. you know, how, uh, you know, People can actually utilize the military experience for their education as well and, and, and grow from that. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your perspective on that? Absolutely. I'm a product of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I went to Weber State, used my GI Bill, got a degree there, 
and used the remainder of my GI Bill to get a master's degree. Love it. Um, so you can do that um, as well. Uh, my son is a Marine as well, and he got out just uh, just over a year ago. But when he was uh, he graduated from Carlsbad High School. My wife is a is a teacher there, and so he went to Carlsbad High, and um, then he went to Miracosta, mm-hmm. and pretty much followed my footsteps of dropping out of community college. <laughs> wasn't taking it serious. Wasn't doing what he needed to do uh, to further his education. And then uh, I said, well, you better plan or you better figure out plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, because I, I have the money and I'll, I'll pay for your college, but not if you're not going to take it seriously. Sure. And so he said, I want to be a Marine. And at that point in time, my wife, this was during the summer, my wife was overseas, uh, traveling in Europe. And so I said, well, wait a minute, time out. Let's, let's back up here. We're not yeah. going to make that decision <laughs> without, without, mom without, being without mom being here <laughs> as, as well. Yeah, yeah. I knew, I, I knew where that was going <laughs> and, uh, wasn't, wasn't about to, to do that. But, um, so I asked him what he wanted to do and he said he wanted to be a linguist in the Marine Corps. Mm. I said, okay. So he took the tests. Uh, there's several tests that you have to take to, uh, to become a linguist in the military. And so he took those and did exceptionally well. And he qualified for the highest level of language skill that the Defense Language Institute in Monterey could, could offer with his experience uh, that the Marine Corps gave him and the opportunities that they gave him to travel overseas, to see things, uh, to deploy, but also uh, the language skills that very, very few Americans uh, can develop or right. have. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, he wants to look at international relations uh, and global studies in, in a couple of the universities here in California. Open doors for him. You know, he, yeah, he has a skill really? that most others don't, and so yeah. <laughs> he can and take advantage. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about, so 23 and a half years mm-hmm. serving. Um, what happened after? What did you expect to happen after, I want to ask first, versus what actually happened? So what, you know, towards the end of your military career, what were you thinking, you know, just retirement or you had an idea, a goal set? What was your story? Well, the last six years on active duty, I, I worked at the American Embassy in Oslo, Norway. And uh, gearing up for that, both my wife and I learned Norwegian. And uh, so that gave us a very, very unique perspective on the, the culture, the country, uh, the people in, in general. Sure. Um, and basically, both of us fell in love with that country and the people. Uh, phenomenal place. And um, then came back to Camp Pendleton 
and retired. Mm-hmm. And I was I was here probably four months and transitioned out of the, the Marine Corps uh, and retired. And my wife had secured a job as a teacher at Carlsbad High School. And I had my retirement. So for the next two and a half years, um, I had the the good fortune of being a stay-at-home dad. Mm. And when our son uh, would have a doctor's appointment, I took him. When he would go to reading hour down at the uh, library in Oceanside, I took him. That's right. And that was a, a really neat, neat experience that most fathers never ever get a chance to experience except just little tiny mm-hmm. snippets. Yeah. And so I I treasure those times can't beat it. as as well. I mean, we would pack up my my bike. Uh, Zeke, I know you're a uh a, a very avid bike racer. I I saw three magazines in there and bicycling in your <laughs> in in your uh He caught you. Yeah. yeah, in your office. I pretend it's just for show, but yeah, it's not. no, I know, I know. Yeah, it's a, it, it's called a disease. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a disease. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, I would pack up uh, some books, some lunch, in my son's bicycle trailer, and we would ride from our house down to the beach. Then he would have to eat his lunch before he could play on the beach and we'd play on the beach for an hour or two hours whenever he got done and I'd pack him back up and he'd sleep and I'd ride back. So, and and what that did is it gave me a workout on my bike and gave him time uh, to play at the beach as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before cycling, I'm a father and Mm -hmm. and I love that story. That that's amazing. Let's get into the uh, reveal. Yes. Um, Lee Wakefield is the owner of Centier Global, a security organization that looks to bring people, businesses, and organizations a sense of safety before problems occur. We all think we know where the holes are in our organization, but still lose sleep at night. Why? Because we know it would all be safer with someone like Lee in our corner. Lee has a master's degree in anti-terrorism, and Homeland Security. Thanks again for being with us today. This well, is thank you. Pleasure. I'm excited. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a good conversation. You know, I just took a class um, for events on risk management, and half the class was just sort of a, a quick training on how to be aware and just mm. know your surroundings and what's that backpack, and you can question it. And yeah, so, yeah, things like that. You know what's funny too? I was I was thinking as I was uh, pro- as I was preparing for this, I'm thinking about uh, you know when I was growing up, and it, you know in no particular area. I mean, it, it you know many times it, there was more affluent areas, but you still had uh, bulletproof glass. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you don't see that as much anymore. You know, we used to go to Seven Eleven. You know, anywhere you went, it would be like. That's all you need and that keeps you safe. But I think we've kind of gotten past that where security is a whole different thing now. It, it's it's the glass is not enough. You you gotta take it somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Oh you you have to. And and in fact, uh there's there's an awful lot of uh 
active shooter training uh, courses and opportunities. And in my world, when you get to that, you've already missed so many pre-event indicators that could have stopped the active shooter um, that I, I, I scream that I, I want to be able to train people to identify the threats before they happen rather than uh, wait till that active shooter and then call who? We call yeah. first what? We call first responders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by their very the nature of their name, it tells you that something bad already happened. <laughs> You're responding. Yeah. And, and so my whole focus is threat prevention rather than threat response. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that comes to my head when I you know think about security, um, airports, airport security, particularly since 9-11. Uh, I'm, I was pretty young when 9-11 happened, so I've barely seen the transition what airports do now is sort of always been the norm for me, but I know yeah. that it's wildly it different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm just curious about your experience with that. Well, after 9-11, we saw a huge response in travel and um, security in a lot of different places that we'd never seen before. But um, some of it is real and some of it's for show mm-hmm. or, or is show. Um, and, and so the, the, the idea in, in airports, uh, I would say that the country of Israel is probably one of the gold standards in airport security and travel security. Hmm. Um, but the problem that we have when we look at a system like, or systems like uh, the country of Israel utilizes, is that they're not scalable. And so Israel has, let's say, four major airports mm-hmm. in the country. We've got more than that in Southern California. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so... That's what I mean when I say that a lot of the things that they do are not scalable um, to the United States or or even to Western Europe. But a lot of the training is certainly valid. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I think that we could really benefit. Instead of the the show, um, have people who look at human behavior. And I think that's where uh, where they stand apart from Western Europe and uh, the United States and, and Canada. And that's what you do, right? I mean, I saw on your website the um, human behavioral threat detection mm-hmm. uh, training. Uh, you're you're a trainer, correct? Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about the human behavioral? I mean, you know, don't you don't have to give us all of the secrets or anything. <laughs> Well, see so you looking at me real close. <laughs> uh, let me let me back up sure. just a little bit and and tell you how I got there first, mm-hmm. and so it'll give you a, a little bit more of a a, a background. Uh, and in two thousand seven, I was hired to train Marines 
on some observation and surveillance systems that they were getting ready to deploy to both Iraq and Afghanistan. And these were towers that telescoped up 110 feet in the air, and then they were guided off uh, and to, to make them stable and had two really powerful cameras and some other sensors on there. But the cameras uh, were what I focused on and looked at those. To give you an idea of the power of the cameras, we could watch a conversation three miles away. Okay. They can't see my camera. I'm watching their conversation. Mm -hmm. Sure. However, what I realized was that these young Marines that we were training on how to use this technology didn't know how to interpret that human landscape that they were oftentimes seeing. And so they had a hard time differentiating a potential threat from just somebody talking. And so I started in about 2006 and 2007 reading everything that I could get my hands on on psychology, mm -hmm. nonverbal behavior, mm -hmm. body language, emotional content, and then started incorporating that with the training. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a program that the Marine Corps had called Combat Hunter. And with that, that assisted greatly in helping these Marines understand the human behavior and understanding the dynamics in the villages and detect who's a bad guy and who's a villager. Um, and that's exactly what we needed to do, except my cameras allowed this training to go on at a much greater distance sure. than the pair of binoculars would provide the information. Mm -hmm. So, um, trained the Marines on, on those systems, and the feedback that we were getting is that that training was absolutely invaluable for them identifying potential threats long ways out and then being able to respond accordingly. Um, they, they were even able to redirect convoys that mm. were... Uh, about to get attacked, yeah, because they could see uh, where the threat was coming from. They could see where the threat was coming from. Yeah. So that training saved huge numbers of lives of coalition forces, villagers, uh, Afghans, everybody over there. And I realized that uh, I wanted to take it further than that. And so I went uh, back to university. And uh, uh, earned a, a master's degree from San Diego State in anti-terrorism and homeland security. But my focus was on nonverbal behavior in a threat environment. And so that was... <laughs> that's a hell of a focus. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's, that's monster stuff right yeah. there, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially, obviously, for the people who are the bad guys right you know now you've got somebody who is an expert at just watching you mm -hmm. about to be bad <laughs> <laughs> you, you haven't even done anything yet but i can see it coming that's awesome mm -hmm. that's awesome well and and really what we're dealing with is is humans sure and humans telegraph who they are 
what they've done, what they're about to do. Mm-hmm. But that's psychology in general. But we're talking about just like diffusing situations. Mm-hmm. And that is so important because it's so needed. Right. There's mm-hmm. so yes. many, you know, threats out there yes. that you know, all of us are scared of as humans. Right. We, we are all in danger in some way. And we need people out there who aren't just trying to, you know, just read our minds to see what we're thinking, mm-hmm. read our minds to see who's the bad guy and who's yeah. not. And that would also make, like you were just asking about the airports, it would make so many things easier. Like, okay, well, the airport's safe. Yeah, everybody just go ahead. <laughs> you know, just get on the plane. We're fine. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Versus what we do now, which, like you say, is, is you know, somewhat a show in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jeff Fox, founder of Star Fox Media. We're a digital marketing and video production company that focuses on serving small businesses here in Vista, California. We have the team and all of the equipment necessary to produce, film, edit, and distribute your podcast to as many people as possible. For more information, you can reach out to us via email at info at starfox.media or give us a call at 760-385-3117. Let Star Fox Media help you tell your brand story today. The San Diego craft beer industry has proven to be incredibly resilient. Regardless of tier, they're following all guidelines to ensure the safety of their loyal customers and staff. They want you to feel safe coming out, enjoying a beer, or picking it up to go. Breweries are open and welcoming guests into a sense of normalcy through a great craft brew. While resilient, the beer industry isn't immune to the effects of service limitations and decreased foot traffic. They need your help to stay open and continue serving the craft beer they're famous for. If you're looking for ways to support your favorite local brewery, stop in for a beer, grab some merch, or take some home to share or enjoy later. Cheers. North County Daily Star is the leading source for news and community information along the 78 corridor. It's free to subscribe and it is updated daily. Look for us on your mobile device or computer at ncdailystar.com. The Vista Chamber of Commerce is a proud supporter of the Same Business Different Day podcast. We support our business members with promotion and marketing, business referrals, educational opportunities, workforce development, and advocacy. Check us out online at vistachamber.org. Well, it it is, um, but I when I finished my master's degree, I had the opportunity to go with uh, another professor to Azerbaijan, and he invited me along and uh, ended up giving a, a talk at a conference over there, and the conference itself was on e-government and security, and most of the areas now Azerbaijan is on the Caspian Sea in Central Asia. Mm-hmm. Most of the attendees were from the former Soviet republics and different countries that after the breakup of the Soviet Union became independent. And so I talked to them about my perspective of human behavior and how to increase security by evaluating human behavior in a border guard and a customs arena. And with that, I gave the the speech. It was only 10 minute quick uh, speech. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the next break, I had probably 10 different 
people come up to me and said, can you come and train our officers uh, on how to help us increase our security posture? And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. And I was finishing up my master's degree at that time. And that's when I realized that there's an opportunity uh, to do this mm. and to help people and especially to help smaller countries that don't have the wherewithal that TSA has or CBP has. We've got all kinds of technology, all kinds of things. And so uh, all too often, we tend to turn on the cameras, turn on the sensors, and turn off our prefrontal cortex, which is our our higher uh, cognitive center in our brain, to evaluate. And so we're relying on technology so mm-hmm. much that it now becomes a crutch. Sure. But my, my focus has, has been working with these countries, and I've been back to Azer- Azerbaijan, uh, the city of Baku, several times, and now travel to Turkmenistan and Tajikistan, where I work with uh, organizations to train officers in how to identify threats and work with them uh, on uh, hopefully working with their academies to train young officers on how to, how to better evaluate human behavior mm-hmm. because I've been to border guards or border guard checkpoints where they didn't even have electricity. So why am, wow. I, why am I gonna focus on technology, the cameras and the sensors and all this stuff when they don't even have electricity there, mm-hmm. but they have their brains yes. and their observation skills. And so that's what we do is that's what we focus on is increasing your observation skills uh, much more acutely and uh, looking at human behavior in that perspective. Mm-hmm. I do have to say with the airport security, even if you know s- some of it is just show, I like the show. I want... I want the show. I want to feel comfortable and I want to yeah, we see all do. them, sure. you know, making those observations mm-hmm. and checking each person getting on a flight. You know, I, it, and so in, I feel like everybody knows that some of it is just a show. Um, but the hope is that they're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they are. And there yeah. is, and there is a tremendous amount of technology there that's backing them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I feel comfortable when I travel Good. As, yeah. as well. Right. Good. Um, I feel more comfortable in certain places than others. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> you know, I wonder about, um, like, how do you feel comfortable in situations or, or places where everybody's carrying? You know what I mean? Like, where, where you know, there's some states, the, the, the open carry states and so forth. Like, um, how, is that more comfortable or less comfortable uh, for someone like you looking from the outside, looking in and uh, talking about security threats? Well, you got to remember, I'm, I'm looking at behavior. I'm not looking what, uh, what's sure. on their hip. Okay. Um, and one of the safest per capita countries in the world is a country that requires people to have weapons in their homes. Mm-hmm. That's Switzerland. 
And last year, there were no homicides by weapons. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a gun. Mm -hmm. When you know that everybody has a gun, maybe you're going to rethink what you're going to do. Or maybe you're not going to do some of those things. Okay. Because here, all too often, it's only the good guys and the bad guys that have the guns. Right. It's not everybody else. It's not, it's not the sheeple. But it's, it's the good guys and the bad guys. The bad guys know that the good guys are not around. So now they have an opportunity to take advantage of a situation Whereas if everybody that you saw on the street might be carrying, maybe they'd have second thoughts. Hmm. What about um, the effects that, um, you know, back to businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about businesses and uh, the lack of security that, uh, how, how that affects you know, some of these businesses, right? There are so many businesses out there. I mean, obviously there's the cash and carry type business, um, but then even office buildings, you know, government buildings, whatever it is, like uh, not having, you know, that security, those protocols in place or the proper protocols or training in place, um, it puts so many of these businesses at risk, right? And, and is, is that your clientele that you're working with mostly or are you working with agencies? Well, I'm primarily working overseas. Okay. Uh, with the exception of this uh, last year where I couldn't travel overseas. Mm-hmm. Haven't been back to Tajikistan since uh, February 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but my focus is over there. But on businesses, I mean, I have offered training and I've provided training through some churches and different organizations, uh, chambers of commerce, to help the business community increase their security awareness. Good. Uh, not, I'm not there to, to scare you. What I'm there to do is to help you evaluate your situation in your unique company mm-hmm. and environment and say, how can I increase my security? And many of the, the, the companies, they'll respond with, well, I have cameras. So my first question is, okay, who's Who's watching the camera? <laughs> yeah. And what level of training right. and experience yeah. do yes. they have yes. to watch the camera and identify a threat that might uh, that might be developing that you could stop? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go back to a terrorist act, uh, a terrorist act in France uh, several years ago, and in, in, in Brussels, of Charlie Hebdo. I don't know if you remember. Uh, yeah. The terrorist attacks in mm-hmm. in France. That was the um, the journalist, right? It was well. It was a magazine uh-huh. that was attacked. Um, but the fact is, they had they had cameras. They had warning mm-hmm. that something was going to happen, and something had already had already happened with Charlie Hebdo, mm-hmm. uh, the magazine. But they had the cameras, they didn't review the footage, and they would have seen that people were doing reconnaissance on their facilities mm. and that's a, a week in advance. And that's got chills that made me think about it. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm that's that's, that's yeah. precisely what I'm talking about yeah. is 
if you have a camera and you don't have somebody watching <laughs> Yeah, the camera. All, all that don't point. use the camera just to rewind to see what happened. <laughs> Absolutely, all that is is show and forens- yeah. forensics for the police to be able to put sure. together who did what yeah. after maybe two, three, five, twenty bodies are on the ground. Yeah, yeah. and and so the the camera can be part of that reliance on technology that isn't necessarily making you safer, and so. Um, I looked at, you know, the cameras that when I came in here, mm-hmm. and there are cameras all around. Yeah, but who's watching them? You know, Hi, Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> or Nani. We'll get Nani on. <laughs> oh, you mean the outside? I <laughs> mean, I mean your security. Yeah, yeah I mean your no, your security sure. cameras. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know they'll they'll put that up. That for the most part, that's only for forensics. Mm-hmm. So the police can put together what happened. Sure. Uh, but it doesn't prevent anything. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the only time it might prevent something from happening is if a bad guy or girl sees the cameras and they say, well, I'll go to the next business mm-hmm. because this one's got cameras on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that may be enough to save you. That's it. Uh, but that's, that's yeah. the extent of it. Now, yeah. It's like the guard dog sign. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, my high school had cameras all around, and I was sort of a prankster in high school, so I knew the cameras, where they were, where they pointed. I knew only two of them worked during the night. <laughs> and <laughs> so I did a bit of reconnaissance on that. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I didn't do anything illegal or inappropriate. Too but bad. I, I had some fun just because I knew I wouldn't get caught. Yeah. 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 And, and you yeah, think somebody might want to hire. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you think the, 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 the bad guys are not doing that same thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if our reliance is for our security is only on technology, then we've missed the boat and we're a lot more vulnerable than we even imagine. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I focus on how do we, the, the very first training module that I offer, and it goes for everybody, it, it, it goes for churches, it goes for uh, the FBI, it goes for other training organizations and, and big organizations that we've trained. Um, is a training module that I developed called The Art and Science of Visual Intelligence. And basically, it's you're using neuroscience to retrain the brain to look more specific at the world around us. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole series of exercises mm-hmm. that we do that forces you to look at scenes all around you much more intently Mm -hmm. and I I give them exercises and it's very interactive in that in that nature and the reason I do that is I found that in training people to read body language or human behavior if you're not paying attention to those small signs you're going to miss information that somebody's projecting Sure. sure And they put it out there. It's whether you can receive it and interpret it and understand it and then act on it. 
so it's been very successful by doing that. And so then when I teach people how to read behaviors and the body language, it's much easier for me to teach them how to look at, well, the guy just moved his hands off the table and under the table. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? It's just an basically. <laughs> it, it very very well may be, <laughs> very well may be, but uh, if uh, if he does some other things, then it may have more of a meaning. Sure. And we project who we are uh, all the time uh, to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's twenty twenty one. You've been doing this for a little while. Do you see things becoming more or less secure? Um, maybe they're both going both ways, depending on who's getting trained. But what's your where, opinion? Uh, where Where are you talking about? I'll, I'll talk specifically. Uh, United Let's, States you know, specific. Please worldwide. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk um, since I, I feel like we only have United States listeners. Let's, <laughs> let's okay. stick it to this country. This <laughs> Do I think it's getting better or or worse? What do you think? <laughs> the security posture. I I think it's getting worse. Mm. And I think it's getting worse because we have more and more of a reliance on things like that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Cell phone, if you're not watching. Yeah. (laughs) This is my 5S. (laughs) Uh, This is a a paperweight, according to my son. but it, and the only reason they don't know where you're at right now is because it's off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. But um, our reliance on technology is actually changing our brains in, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily for the better. Um, and so, you know, technology is a two-edged sword. Uh, it's a tool. It's not a crutch. And too many people use it uh, as that crutch, and they don't know how to walk. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, and, and that was just like those young Marines who didn't know how to interpret that human behavior that I was seeing on the cameras and saying, holy cow, this is, this is a bad scene. Mm-hmm. And they were just calmly sitting there, not seeing the potential threats that I was seeing. Yeah. And so um, that's where I want us to get. But our our over-reliance on technology, uh, I think, is going to backfire on us. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, um, it, it's so fun to, to talk about this in, in some ways because Alyssa and I were actually having this conversation last week. Uh, <laughs> we talked a little bit about... Uh, Thomas guides maps. Yeah, you know, uh, she says she still uses a Thomas it's guide, which I'm not car. sure. I believe it's, I could show but it to you. I can I, get it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, when I first started in the insurance business, my dad—that's how we got around the streets. You know yeah, what I mean? You had to. Um, we used to memorize phone numbers. You know what I'm saying? I don't just want to sound like some old person, but <laughs> if we put that alongside security, like what you're saying, then you it's clear that the reliance on the technology is making us less secure. And, um, you know, we need to rely on ourselves more. Mm -hmm. So what other countries would you say are kind of doing it 
doing it right. Yeah. I would say there are a few countries in Western Europe that are doing things pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Netherlands, for one. Mm. They have a, a, a very high reliance on technology, uh, but they have a very good, good series of programs um, on human behavior that they teach law enforcement and customs and border guard officers that uh, are really good. Okay. Some in the UK are very good. Some of the programs in the, in the UK are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other countries are uh, learning, but they also, they have this over-reliance on that little shiny toy named technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to get the sensors. They want to get the different things. And I just said, well, that's not the the lane that I swim in um, because I know I can increase your security, but not with necessarily reliance or over-reliance on technology. Mm-hmm. So you don't work with cybersecurity or anything like that no. either? Okay. No, I have very good friends. Uh, one of my former professors and uh, was a business partner of mine uh, has a security firm and he's uh, got a PhD in uh, information systems and travels all over the world. So okay. if, if I have uh, questions in that nature, I generally talk to him uh, about it first. The other thing about cell phones, um, it's something you look at instead of looking up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it sure. just takes your awareness. I, I remember being at an event years ago um, and there was a security officer on his cell phone and I was like, <laughs> how, how is he keeping us safe he's like playing a game like, yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. thought Security that can't be right and it wasn't right yeah so <laughs> I now doing events um any kind of security it's like it, you put your cell phone in the staff room don't have we have radios like don't yeah <laughs> we don't need those yeah, so. mm-hmm. right. yeah. <laughs> makes me laugh <laughs> but I'm um I'm working with a a, uh, an organization uh, called FIFA and looking at potentially doing some training for them. And they put on pretty big soccer tournaments right. every mm-hmm. couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hoping that we can help them because they've got uh, the World Cup, I think, in 22 or 24 going to UAE. Okay. And so I'm, I'm hoping... We can help them in the process as well, um, but my my focus is helping small countries that don't have all that wherewithal that we have back here in the United States, yeah. but they still have the sec- the security requirements. Right. So, um, and Tajikistan, Azerbaijan are two of the ones that I uh, certainly want to help, mm-hmm. but there are. There are a few others. Okay. Well, if you can get me tickets to that World Cup. <laughs> I'm a big soccer fan. I didn't know that because I don't know anything about it. It's like 2022, 2024. I don't know. This year, I don't know. I wouldn't know. But I know FIFA. I know FIFA. Mm-hmm. Um, let's we, go to the book yeah, corner. Yeah, let's do the book corner. Um, yeah. So we talked a bit before we sat down to mm-hmm. chat on the podcast. Uh, I'm a big 
book geek. I love taking uh, recommendations for reading. And so any uh, books that have helped you on your journey, anything that you could recommend just for security awareness, um, awareness in public. Um, looking at body language, looking at nonverbal behavior. There are a couple of books that I would recommend. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first is called Emotions Revealed. Love that. And it's about how do you read emotions? How do you read emotions on the face? Mm -hmm. How do you re read emotions on a person's body? Mm -hmm. um, and that is written by uh, Dr. Paul Ekman, who is a professor at uh, University of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, another one is uh, a book by a former FBI agent, and uh, his name is Joe Navarro, and that book would be What Everybody is Saying. <laughs> That's a great title, too. I, I feel like I know that name, Joe Navarro. I do, too, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> meaning, okay. meaning you've met him or no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Just I know the it name. Sounds familiar. No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, I, if I've met an FBI agent, he he kept it a secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I met you, Lee, and I, and I'm I'm glad that I did, man. Yeah, we, likewise. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one other thing as as we get ready to get out of here because mm -hmm. uh, we should. Um, I want to just ask you if uh, you have anything else to say to our listeners, you, you want to say about your business, uh, any other thoughts that you want to throw out there for them, um, whether it's just advice on, on helping them, uh, you know, stay secure or um, whether it, it's just ideas on entrepreneurship. I mean, you know, because really, although, you know, as this business or this uh, our same business, Different Day podcast focuses on mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, uh, you really kind of snuck that in there. I like the way that we, we talked about how you got into the business that you're in because you, you came out of like two and a half years of retirement or something. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? They need this. They need me. And, and I'm going to do it. Um, so maybe, maybe you have thoughts on that, whatever it is, let's, can you give us some, some final thoughts, please? Well, a couple of the, the final thoughts, and especially this is for the younger, uh, members of the audience. Love it. Would be, um, thinking about college and going to university and getting a degree. Um, think about what you want to do when you're 30. Don't think about what you like to do now uh, as a hobby mm -hmm. but because you want to make sure that whatever you go to the university for, you can actually feed yourself with. Yes. And, and I don't mean being a barista at Starbucks or uh, someplace else, but actually use your degree. Mm -hmm. And one of the other uh, things. My wife is an educator and she's a high school teacher. She focuses on college, college, college. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great, except most guys at 18 are not ready for college. Mm -hmm. I'm a perfect example. Our son is another example. They're not mature enough to focus unless, you know, you have the exception, you have we, my son has friends who 
are graduating or have graduated from UCLA, they knew when they were a junior in high school, they wanted to be an uh, aerospace engineer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They are. Mm-hmm. They follow through. Yeah, but that was the exception. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want them to think about the military is maybe not a last resort, but maybe some of your first resort uh, to allow you to get more mature, to grow up, to have four years away from mom and dad, but also four years to grow as a person. And in the process, you have a GI Bill that's going to pay for your college. Mm -hmm. And by the time someone is 22, 23, they have a better idea than they did at 18 what they want to do, or at least what they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would encourage people to look at the military as a means to go forward in your life. And uh, the other thing is I would look at the community college route. And I'm a very, very strong proponent of that because uh, that gives you the same education for the first two years and taking your general ed classes than, let's say, UCLA or Cal or Stanford. Mm -hmm. But you pay a a fraction of the cost. And you're able to then save that money and then go on. Mm -hmm. Now, my son is paying all of his education right now out of pocket. He saved money in the Marine Corps, and he's able to pay for his his community college out of pocket. What does that mean? Well, that means that now he can go to Cal or UCLA, which are the two schools that he's actually looking at for the programs that he wants to, and he'll have enough GI Bill to actually go through graduate school. Love it. And that's where we need to be focusing is getting, getting people to think beyond that bachelor's degree or beyond that going to f- four years of college and then what do I do? Mm-hmm. Sure. So those are some of the comments that I would have, especially for younger, uh, younger members of the audience. I love it. Yeah. I think that's great, right? It's very helpful, yeah. Alyssa's an educator as <laughs> yeah. well, and, and she's, she's navigated her way through that and actually uh, working on your master's. Applied for my master's. Applied for her master's. Not yet working. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get there, I'm sure. That's I will right. one day. She yeah. absolutely will. Uh, contact info, please? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lee Wakefield is the chief executive of Centier Global. Uh, you can, he has his email. You can contact him at his email. That's lee at centier.us. That's L-E-E at S-E-N-T-I-R dot U-S. And he's offered his phone number for the company. That's 760-803-8266. Thanks for being here, Lee. Well, thank you. I appreciate, <laughs> I, I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate the wine. Thank you. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> it's a celebration. Yes. And cheers to you, buddy. Hey. All right. Cheers. And thanks for taking us around the world. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Lee Wakefield, ladies and gentlemen, same business, different day. Gosh.
Thank you for tuning in to the Same Business Different Day podcast. Special thanks to Star Fox Media for video production and James Russell on music production. Please like and subscribe to the Same Business Different Day podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Same Business Different Day.